This episode has been mixed and edited by the team at Next Day Podcast. For professional podcast editing services with 24-hour turnarounds, visit nextdaypodcast.com. And if you're new to podcasting, check out our amazing podcast launch packages. nextdaypodcast.com. Record, upload, relax. Welcome to the Your First Rental Podcast. Let's talk real estate. Welcome to the Your First Rental Podcast, where an average Joe and a pro teach you how to get into the world of real estate and get your first rental. I'm your host, JP. Of course, Nate Parks can always be reached at nateparks at kw.com if you are looking to buy or sell a home in the Kansas City area. All right. We got a great show for you today. Probably my favorite one that we have recorded so far. We talk with Amy Stetzler. She is what's called a credit restoration specialist. So she knows all about the credit world. There are so many things in here that I learned just talking with her. And they are things that I have never heard on any other real estate podcast. And I listen to a lot of real estate podcasts. So I think we have truly platinum content here. But if you think about it, real estate is all about leveraging credit. And so credit is the most one of the most important things a real estate investor has. And so we it's basically like we have an insider that tells us how the credit agencies do your ratings, how to get your credit scores up. So this is great content. I think you'll like it. Here we go. Here's Amy. All right. Very excited to have Amy Stetzler with us today. Amy wears a number of hats, including personal finance and budget coach and a credit restoration specialist. So very excited to have her with us today. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to have you here with us today. And so can you just start by telling us all these things that you do? Okay. I've got a background in mortgages. So I used to be a loan officer, a mortgage processor, then I went to title rep, and then I've been a mobile closer for about 15 years. So I see people's mortgages. I get brief moments in their life, in their home, and briefly with their finances. I also do personal finance and budget coaching, and I've been at Credit Law Center for just about 11 years. And over there, we help people with all things credit-related issues, whether it's judgments or you know just poor scores or not understanding how credit works, because we're all supposed to have good credit, but nobody knows how to do that. Okay. And you're a notary because that's how we met. Correct. You were the mobile notary for one of my deals and we met and we got to talking and I got to learn all this stuff about you and said, hey, you should be on our podcast. (laughs) Perfect. And then here you are. Okay. So uh, you're a closer, which means you go around and you do the notarizing and, and all that stuff. What do you do in terms of personal finance and budget stuff? And you were telling me about your travels and tell us about that. Okay. So as I sign papers with people, there's the loan application or the 1003. And on there, it has a list of people's liabilities, things that they pay out monthly. And this isn't like the basics, you know, like utility bills. This is this is your student loans. This is your car loans, all that stuff. And briefly glancing at all this, I, I see how in debt, the American way is, the American people. Nobody understands how any of this works. So I took a trip to the Dominican Republic and I met my mom there and we go on these excursions and and we're, we're riding four wheelers through this 
this most beautiful, breathtaking landscape, and there's a woman, and time stood still, and this woman's sitting on her front porch, and she's rocking a 10-year-old, had to be like 10, 12-year-old boy, and she's rocking this boy who's sleeping in her lap, and it really moved me. It brought me to tears almost because I was like, you know, we don't do that in America because we are so busy working. Both parties work. The mom works. The dad works. You know, then they come home. They they throw something quick for dinner. They rush off to the sporting event or or whatever the case may be. There's there's really no time for that family connection. You know, we come home, we watch TV together. This this woman was holding her child or her grandchild in her lap who was sleeping. And all she was doing is loving this baby. And I just feel like it's all rolled together. Time is money. So, you know, if you have 10 student loans and they're not consolidated into one student loan, you're paying 10 interest rates per month. So... It just really got me thinking, how, if time is money, how can we create more time for the things in life that we love? So I kind of put all that together with all of my other experiences. And I feel like it's my life mission to help people understand how interest and credit and how to basically work less or have time to do what you enjoy doing. Yeah. And that's, that's, I think, why we do all this, why we work, why we invest. Now, you're also a real estate investor Two, right? Yes. Can you tell us about your property? I have, let's just call it one and a half. I have a property in Blue Springs that I we've owned for uh, almost 20 years. It's been a rental for 10 years. I've had the same renter in there. She's wonderful. She takes care of me. I take care of her. I don't ever increase the rent on her. I mean, well, I did, but this is the first time. And we just, we have a very good understanding. I'm not in it to get rich. She, you know, I've offered to sell the house to her and she's just not, she doesn't want to. So it it works well. I make a little money. I got some tax deductions and she's happy and she's got a warm, nice place to live. And you're getting the appreciation. You get to depreciate it. You get to expense lots of things. And she's paying your mortgage. Absolutely. And another thing that people don't understand you could do, I just recently did a recast. Are you okay, tell, tell us what a recast <laughs> is because I think this is going to provide value. This is so exciting. And and I didn't even know this was a thing, you know, combined experience. I got like maybe 30 years experience and I'm only 42, but I do multiple things. A recast is, let's say you get ahead on your mortgage. Okay, let's say you print out your amortization schedule and you do minimum monthly payments. And every month you make an additional principal payment and you cross that off every month. If you do that, you cut your term in half. Simple, you can make a 30-year mortgage a 15-year mortgage just by doing that simple thing. So minimum monthly payment, every month make an additional principal payment, okay? So let's say you get ahead. Let's say you've been doing your minimum monthly payment plus next month's principal and you get a tax return. I like the rule of half. You put half your tax return towards principal. You get a work bonus, half towards principal. Let's say, for example, you get ahead $10,000, $13,000. It may take you a couple of years, but you get ahead. You can call the phone number on your monthly statement, and you request to have your figures run for a recast. And what that does is it keeps your interest rate the same and your term the same, so what your interest rate is and how long you have the loan amount, but it permanently drops your monthly payment according to what your new balance is. So, for example, I just recasted the mortgage on my rental property, and uh, – my payment went down $109 a month. So so there was no underwriting. There's no nothing. nothing with the bank. You just are able to use that money that you've overpaid basically. Yeah. And now you can catch up to it by just lowering your monthly payment. It lowers your monthly payment permanently. And then you keep paying the same amount. 
You keep oh, doing that minimum monthly keep... payment plus next month's principal, you'll still cut your term in half. But we never know what life's going to throw at us. You never know okay. what if you get in a car accident? What if you yeah. get a blown tire? Oh, my kid's going to college. Oh, I got this thing this weekend. It permanently lowers your payment. So it just gives so, you a little bit of wiggle room. But there's no credit checks. There's no nope. underwriting, no refinancing, no closing costs. Nothing. I, I paid $250. So there might be a small fee. Okay. But a, a small set fee. Yeah, one time. Okay, it was nothing a, like a mm-mm. closing costs and no, bank the, fees and you know, all the stuff associated with closing No, costs. nothing at all. The average refinance closing costs, and what people don't understand is a no-cost closing does not mean that there's no cost. It means that there's no origination. You're still going to have title charges and escrow fees. Oh, yeah. So I, I wanna, someday I want to do a whole podcast and just look through a closing statement. It's like $6,000. Yeah. Every time you refinance. Yeah. So you refinance and drop your monthly payment, $50 a uh-huh. month. It's five years before you've made that money back. Correct. And you just extended it out 13 years. Whereas a recast, or you've gotten ahead, years. but now you can just lower your payment. And keep paying the same amount. So definitely look into that if you're out there. I am I am actually going to look into that too, because I've gotten ahead on a lot of payments. But you don't have to take out a line of credit. You don't have to do any credit checks, no, no loans, no closing costs. So I think that's... That would be amazing. Absolutely. And then you are a credit restoration specialist? Yes. And you've been doing that for uh, 11 years with a law firm? Yes. Because I recently was closing on a deal. And two days before we closed, they called and said, hey, your credit score dropped below this. And I said, what? And they said, well, we ran a credit check like we do. They're supposed to do it five days before closing. And they said... You, Toyota said you missed a payment. And I said, well, I, you know, I, my lease on my Toyota ended and I didn't know I had a payment left or whatever. Oh gosh. And they reported me to the credit bureaus and it dropped my score. And I ended up paying like a half percent more on my interest rate just because I wanted to get the deal done. Right. So what, okay. So I've heard on social media don't buy a car when you're trying to buy a house. Explain all that to us. Correct. Okay, so I'll make this simple. Your credit affects everything. Your credit affects what you pay for insurance. It has to do with your risk rate. So people with lower credit pay more for insurance. People with too much open credit with high balances pay more on insurance. When well, wait a minute. What kind of insurance are we talking about? All insurance. Here? Like your car insurance? Correct. Really? Yes, your car, your house, all of it, whatever insurance you have. So any if anytime you're buying insurance, they will do a credit check on you. It's a soft pull, and it's not like five, six, seven, eight hundred score. To my understanding, and, and I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure it's a, more like an ABC rating. Oh. So look at it this way. Your financially responsible people are going to be more responsible on the road. They're going to be more responsible with having a roof put on their house. They're just going to be more responsible in general. Huh. Okay, interesting. So here's an example. I got my credit scores up. I've got maybe an 815. But in the process, when I got my credit scores high, I reevaluated my insurance. It saved me, I think it was like $500 a year. Really? It was equivalent to $46 a month is all I remember. But I'm like, okay, so the average person who has an hourly wage, how many hours do you have to work to make $46 in a week or a month or whatever? Yeah. I just saved myself time. Yeah. And that's what we're trying to do, isn't it? Correct. Buy back... Our time. Yes, yes. Okay, so keep going so, with what you were saying about with, how it affects everything. With a car loan during the middle of a mortgage, so you have what's called your debt-to-income ratios or your DTI. 
Simplest way to explain that would be how much money you have coming in versus how much money you have going out per month. So it just throws off your debt to income ratio. So if you do any major transactions or purchases or anything like that, during the middle of a loan process, it's going to mess with your debt to income ratios, first of all. Second of all, here's something people don't understand is that anytime you open up a new line of credit, it's going to take 30 days or so to report to the credit bureaus. Your scores will go down before your scores go up. So with that being said, your scores, basically you have to prove to the credit bureaus that you can make payments on time and that's how you get a score. So if you're back in grade school, how do you get your grades? You do your homework. How do you get the credit score? You make your monthly payments on time. So just by applying for credit for a car or whatever, your score is lowered. Possibly, yeah. So if you go to a dealership, I've seen credit reports where you'll have 25 credit checks in one sitting from a car dealership. And that's how they come to you and they say, well, he, we can give you this rate at this term, this rate at this term. That's how they give you options is they've actually pulled your credit through different lenders. Oh. So I always try to help people get their scores as high as possible and then go to your bank and get a pre-approval. Because you can take that pre-approval letter to the dealership and it's hours less time that you waste sitting in the dealership waiting for financing and all mm -hmm. that stuff. You just say, hey, I'm approved for X amount of dollars. This is what I'm looking for. It really cuts your time in half. And oh, again, for a car loan. Money. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. you just get the car loan through the bank. Correct. So that's oh, okay. kind of rolled all into why does it drop your scores? Well, you may have opened a new account, which is going to take 30 days to report, three months to start helping your scores. Or okay, so just opening an account will lower your possibly, yeah. scores. Okay. Yeah. I try to tell my have my clients not pull credit as a hard pull more than 10 times in six months. Okay. What about applying for a credit card? Does that count? Yeah, any hard inquiry. But so any anytime someone's inquiring about your credit, it's not probably not going to help you. It it really just depends. Like if you're, you know, cable bills, cell phone bills, all of those do soft pulls. Soft pulls don't matter. Okay. It's your hard inquiries. So, if you're mortgage shopping and let's say you go to three lenders in a week and you have all three of them pull your credit, is it going to affect you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, is it going to affect you 10? No, probably not. But it's like chemistry. You have to have all these different components. Let's say you're making stew, right? You have all these different things that you put in your stew pot and that's what makes your dinner. You have all these things that go into your credit report and that's what makes up your score. It's not one specific thing is going to make or break your score usually. People tend to put a lot of emotion on paper and really it's just an algorithm. So we're like, oh, well, you know, at this time of my life, I had a hard time and, you know, I lost my job and blah, blah, blah. And this is why I have a medical collection the credit report doesn't care of your life story. They're like, mm -hmm. oh, look, you have a medical collection. It's and that's there. a huge hit, isn't it? No, well, it when depends. someone sends you to collections? How old is it? If it's old, no. If, okay. Let's say you have, let's say you're you're trying to do things on your own and and you, you see a medical collection on there. You're like, oh, it's five years old. I'm going to go ahead and pay it. It'll go away. Wrong. You pay it. And then it that's updates. when the clock starts. It re-updates. So okay. that means that it'll stay on your credit report for an additional seven years. And it looks like a brand new collection, whether it's paid or not. You just re-age the account. Oh, so what would you advise that person to do? Leave it alone. Don't pay it off. Don't pay it, depending on what it is. Oh. Now, some places will do what's called a pay to delete. So if you pay it and they agree to remove it, uh -huh. good deal. If they're like, no, we'll update it with the credit bureaus, bad deal. Wow. Okay, mind blown. You just told us and the audience if you have a very old collection, if you pay it off, that is going to hurt your credit score for seven years. It can. So don't pay it off. Depending on what it is. Or ask them 
if you if you pay it off to delete it from your credit report. Correct. Yeah, because I I so I called Toyota, paid you know the last payment or whatever, and then uh, my lender said, well, every month from that point, your credit score is going to get a little bit better because it's moving away from. And so we we agreed that you know as soon as my credit score gets back up to whatever level they set, then I'll get a better interest rate. But correct. Like yeah. every month I'm checking. Every month, yes. You can request to have that. Oh, a one-time good faith adjustment. Oh. And not everybody will do it, but I always say it's worth oh. a shot because what is it? A few minutes of your phone call. You know, do I just call Toyota? Call the the lender, whoever the lender yeah. is, or whoever you have it through. Yeah, Toyota. And uh, hey, can I can I request a one time good faith adjustment? That's uh-huh. what it is. And once in a while, you'll get that person on the phone that's like, yeah, we'll go ahead and do that for really? you. And then they just correct it. Yeah. Huh. But it's not a guarantee. It depends yeah. on you know. Is that I think person I kind of hinted at that? Like, hey, it's an honest mistake. Can yeah. you? And they said, well, you you did miss the payment. So right, one late payment. Uh, I've seen drop your credit scores. I had a client. One late payment will drop your scores. For this particular person, it was 135 points per bureau. Okay, let's back the truck up for a second. You keep talking about hard pull and soft pull. Mm-hmm. Tell us about the difference between those. Okay, so a hard pull is a mortgage pull, a banker, a like credit a serious card. Yeah. credit. A soft pull would be like your utility bill, your cell phone bill. If you pull your credit yourself on on a website, oh yeah. gosh, that's a whole nother can of worms. So you can pull your credit yourself through annualcreditreport.com or Identity IQ, one of those Experian, whatever it is. You can pull your credit yourself, and it's going to be a soft pull, which means it does yeah. not show – it doesn't count against you for your credit inquiries. Okay. So these are like what utility companies will check. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's what we do when we check our tenants. Yes. It uh, doesn't affect your score. Right. How do you get this result? I mean, is there, is there a, does everyone have a soft number out there and a hard uh, number or – So that's where it gets – it's it's silly. So you have your Vantage scores or your consumer scores. That's what you pull yourself. Your FICO score, and there's different FICOs. There's FICO 6, FICO 7, FICO 8, FICO 10. That's the the head honcho, okay? okay? Any credit pull you do on your own, any of the soft pulls, those don't matter because your scores are going to be different anyways. Do they correlate? Like no. your soft score could be good and your y- – Yes and no. Like apartment complexes don't always go for scores. Uh-huh. They want to see that you don't have any apartment things. It really just depends oh, okay. on what it is. You can put your credit score on three different websites in the same day and get three different scores because it's three different scoring models. It's not government-regulated. Correct. But the head honchos, the big guys with the FICO. That's your bank. Are, the banks, the yes. credit card companies. Correct. That's your banks, your lenders, Those your credit are card the companies. Real credit people. Yes. They're looking at your life. Yeah. Yes, your life. And the thing is, too, that it doesn't matter. You know, if people call me and they'll be like, well, my score says this on, on credit karma or whatever. I'm like, it doesn't matter. I don't care what your score is. I mm-hmm. want to see what what is reporting. How does it look on credit? Okay. So the simplest way, if you want that five, you know, that upper 700s, 800 score, simple, so simple. People pay me money to explain this to them. Okay. Well, give it to us <laughs> and you're getting it for free. Our audience is Waiting. <laughs> Three to four open accounts. What do you mean by that? Let's say you have an auto loan. Let's huh? say you have an auto loan, a mortgage loan, a couple credit cards. Okay. Like normal people. Normal people. Yeah. yeah normal stuff. Okay. All credit card balances kept below 20% of the limit all the time. Okay. Period. That's it. And then what's the highest score you can have? I believe it's 850. Okay. For all the three bureaus or yeah. what? 
Wait, yeah. th- but those are soft numbers, right? No, those are your. Oh, high those are the actual credit yeah. scores. I don't generally see that high of scores yeah. anywhere. Okay, and then what are the worst things you can do for your credit score? I mean, you ju- oh, you gosh. were talking about missing one payment. Yeah, maxing out a credit card. Misconception: People think if I have credit cards, I'll have good scores. Yes and no. If you want to play the game where you want to use the credit card, like a lot of business owners, they'll have that ten thousand dollar credit card and they'll. Charge oh, yeah. it up nine grand, paid off every month. Yeah. You want to pay it the day before or a couple days before it updates with the credit bureaus. Okay. So you can find out and play that game. Well, it so my credit card statement comes out on the ninth of the month, but you know I have to pay it by the fifteenth. Uh-huh. It may not report until the twentieth. So, so you make pay sure it on the fourteenth. Yeah, just make sure whenever you pay it, your balance is paid below twenty percent of the limit. Okay. Before it updates with the bureaus. I love that game. It's a great game. Because, I mean, you might as well get that 1% in points, airline Correct. miles, whatever. Yeah. But if you do that, make sure you pay it off the day before it, it reports. Updates with the Bureau. Updates so, yeah, you will have to call the company and see when they update. Yeah. Okay. It's, it's the quickest thing you could do. And people don't teach their kids. They don't teach their kids about credit. And here's yeah. why. Well, I don't know about it. Nobody knows about it. Exactly. Grandma and grandpa, they probably sign their, their you know, for their uh-huh. home loan for $5,000 yeah. in, in a bar at, yeah. at a tabletop, you know. And then our parents didn't quite understand, but they did the best they could. You know, that's when things started to change. And then us, it's like a free-for-all. Uh-huh. So now it's our job to teach our kids, but we don't know how to teach our kids because we don't know. Yeah. So I'll use my daughter for example. My daughter on her 16th birthday, I took her up and I'm like, here, we're going to get you. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I added her as an authorized user on my credit card. Okay. And okay. you can do that when they turn 16? Yeah, 16. Okay. I've had this card open for about 10 years. Remember, it's an algorithm. Mm-hmm. The credit report does not know how old your kid is. They don't know any really? of that okay. stuff. Yeah. So at 16 years old, she had 10 years of history reporting at 16. So when she turned 18 on her 18th birthday, I said, here, here's uh, here's what we're going to do for your birthday. I'm going to teach you. I'm not going to give you stuff. I'm going to teach you. So for her birthday, we go up and, and she opens up a line of credit of her own. She had a 739 credit score. Is that good? That is, that's good. That's okay. more than a lot of adults. Okay. Yeah. Then f- she joined the military and she came home and she says, mom, I need to get a car. I said, okay, let's go get you a pre-approval. Let's see where you're at. We go to the bank at 19 years old. She has a 750 credit score, and she's able to get a car without a cosigner. Wow. So let's say you go out and you get a car. You cosign for your kids. Uh-huh. Let's say little Johnny has a mishap, can't uh-huh. pay his bill or forgets or whatever. They're yeah. kids. And uh, that late payment will affect you too. Let's say that car gets repossessed. That yeah. affects you just as much as just as much as it does them. And I assume a repossession is a huge hit. It can be, yeah, because that could be a judgment. A judgment is a huge hit. A judgment is bad. What is a judgment? A judgment is when you don't, and you never know if if and when they're coming out. That's the tricky part. So you might have this repossession on your credit report from five years ago, and all Uh of a sudden you get served. You're like, what is this? What is this $15,000 thing I just got served for? Yeah. I don't even own that car. That was, you know, five, six, seven years ago. It was my son's. Well, like a court has said, you owe this a money. A court has said, you owe this money. And We're then garnishing you just get your wages. hammered. You get hammered. Yeah. And then they add on interest and they add on fees from five years. So that increases all of it, the monthly amount too. And then your credit score your, tanks and then you can't get loans for correct, homes, you, you cars, home anything. Loan? Correct. Your insurance drops, all that. Yeah, so, insurance rates go up. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, your insurance rates go up. Yes. So mm-hmm. I had a client and his was $22,000 repossession. Ooh. I advised him to file bankruptcy. 
Really? Yes. He filed bankruptcy because how, how many hours does it take you to make $22,000 on top of your regular bills? What does a bankruptcy do to your credit score? Surprisingly enough, I have a bankruptcy from 2010. And it was it, my situation was it was very odd. It was a bad mortgage, and I was just trying to fix the mortgage. We didn't even have enough debt to qualify for bankruptcy. We had to wait till the laws change. I was just trying to fix predatory lending, something. So right after, and I, I went to the attorney. I was like, okay, so now what do I do? How do I rebuild my credit? He's like, I don't know. I was like, what do you mean you don't know? You're a bankruptcy attorney. He's like, yeah, I do the bankruptcy. I don't know anything about credit. So here I'm going. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. So I just started establishing credit. You could actually be within a decent range, close to a 700, within 12 months or less out of a bankruptcy. Really? And Yeah. But you have parameters on when you can buy a house depending on the loan process or the loan program. Okay. Well, this is part one. This is so good. We're just going to do a part two. This episode was mixed and edited by the team at Next Day Podcast. For professional podcast editing services with 24-hour turnarounds, visit nextdaypodcast.com. And if you're new to podcasting, check out our amazing podcast launch packages. Record, upload, relax. nextdaypodcast.com.